This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello. And welcome to Line Dance Podcast with Megan Barcelia and Christopher Gonzalez. Today we will be reflecting upon our recent trip to Orlando, Florida for Florida Line Dance Classic 2018. Hosted by JC Dance Productions. Is, is it JC Dance Productions or JC Productions? Dance Productions. Dance Productions. That's a, and that is Jennifer Cameron's organization. This is the last event uh, for JC of the year and for most people uh, of 2018 because it is a December event. And there's really not much else after this except part of Worlds. Even MIT, Madness in Taiwan is the same weekend, so it's not really after. So this was, uh, for many, kind of a, a way to round out the year in line dance. This started for us Wednesday evening. Yeah, so we were lucky enough that we booked ourselves a red eye, which also means that we were able to attend our Sonoma State Line Dance Club, where we instruct on Mondays and Wednesdays. So that was nice. We were able to see everybody before we left, especially seeing as it is now finals week this week. And so that would have been last last week would have been their uh, blow-off steam week. So we got a lot done then. Um, I know I reviewed a couple dances or taught a couple dances, excuse me, that we were going to be demoing for the weekend coming up so that you and I could learn them. Uh, so we ended up going to club. My soon-to-be official roommate, uh, Natalie, was sweet enough to offer to drive us to and from the airport, which is amazing. And so we left right after club and headed to SFO, where we got there with plenty of time, which was nice and stress-free, went through security. I don't think we had any hiccups or anything like that. I think it was like dead, if I remember correctly. There was like no one there. Um, and we ended up, let's see, getting to the gate and relaxing, and then they boarded us. And we were originally sitting one row apart, and you were in a middle seat, and I was in a window seat. And so you were nice enough to ask the lady next to you if she wouldn't mind switching with me so that we would both be in a window seat. She'd just be one row ahead so that you and I could sit together. And she was sweet enough to say yes. And then we got even extra luckier because no one sat on the aisle seat. So uh, I know how much you enjoy the window seat. So I let you sit in the window seat and I sat in the middle seat instead. And then no one sat next to us, so that was nice. Um, I do know we tried to sleep a little bit on that leg because we did have a layover in Denver. I don't remember how long the layover was. It wasn't too long. It wasn't too short. I think it was pretty good timing-wise because we got off and we got to our next gate, no problems. Um, I remember thinking I wanted to get hot chocolate, but I saw the line and I didn't want to deal with it. I also remember us walking from one end to what we thought was going to be our gate because that's what the original gate was scheduled and then it got switched uh so we ended up going back i do remember the layover now now that i'm thinking about it it was the one where everybody was coughing around us 
and there was this huge group of family members with a bunch of little kids and that one little kid kept walking over to me and touching my shoe so (laughs) I do remember that much after that uh, we boarded and uh, we were in much much different seats this time I was several several aisles ahead of you I think I was like 13 or 14 aisle and you were back in the 20s or something like that um and originally I was supposed to be on the opposite side on a window but it was a family that booked it and the mother had several children with her and so she was sitting there and then they had two other pe- two other adults with them um on the aisle in the middle seat so I just took the opposite window seat um as much as I love children, no babies, um, <laughs> I definitely was glad to be far away from the group of children. Although I can say I was able to sleep. So I'm assuming they didn't scream or anything because I was able to sleep pretty well on that, that leg. I do remember waking up once or twice and looking out the window. Um, other than that, I don't remember much of that flight. So you know, now that you mentioned uh, no babies, I remember there was, you know, I think in the first leg you said something like that because you heard some baby nearby, but I had my headphones in, so it didn't bother me at all. I, I didn't even know it was happening. So I was, I got lucky. I'm, I'm glad you, you uh, bought those headphones for me. They're very effective. Um, also, I, I, I noticed uh, in my surrounding area, many children as well. Uh, to my right, there was a dad and his kid um, w- who had the window seat. And he was doing a good job of keeping his kid entertained. They put down the um, tray, the trays, the seat back trays, and put a book across the two trays, and brought out some little like Matchbox Hot Wheels cars. See, that would have been cool. Yeah, and they were like driving around, like crashing them into each other and stuff. And uh, then they were talking. They were like looking outside and talking about planes and things. And the seat in front of me was empty. <laughs> And I thought, well, that would be a good spot if Megan wanted to come back here. Um, but then uh, I, I had also talked to him about, um, you know, if he had wanted to bring his wife back, as like I overheard with uh, him talking with the flight attendants, that you know, he also had a wife and another kid somewhere else in the plane, but that they were separated. I thought, oh, wait a second. I could go up there somewhere, wherever they are, and then maybe one of them, the mom or the kid, could take my seat, and then the other of the two of them could take the seat in front of of that seat so that the whole family would be there it would just be like an l shape three across one ahead uh sort of like the way a knight moves in chess and he said oh you know that would be a good idea like having us all together but <laughs> what it would end up happening is one parent would be in the middle of the three seats the two kids would be on the sides and the other parent would be one seat ahead sleeping <laughs> while the other parent gets double teamed and has to entertain both of them and he said he can handle one kid but both of them at once while the other one like laughs wouldn't work. <laughs> um, and then behind me to the left was um, uh, another group of two kids with a dad. And then behind that was the mom with another kid. And then behind me directly um, was a woman with a service dog. I don't know if you saw the service dog at all, but did. yeah. Yeah. But, she ended up getting the road to herself if I remember correctly. Yes. Which was very generous of the flight attendants because that's actually supposed to, according to like the conversation they were having, uh, that's supposed to be left clear for the flight attendants to sit in and, you know, if they need a nap or whatever, then they would be able to use that. 
but they worked it out among themselves so that they didn't they didn't have to uh, vacate. Uh, everybody seemed happy. Yeah, and uh, I remember that. Yeah, it did at some point click. Huh? All these kids. Why? Are, why are there so? Disney World, yep. Universal, of course. Yeah, I definitely remember thinking that when there was all those kids around. I was like, "Why is there so many?" And like, because okay, let me stop that. There were so many families yes. with kids meeting up from different legs, and they're like, "Oh, you made it! Yay!" And like giving each other hugs. And I'm like, "Interesting. Why are all these people?" Oh, wait, Disney World. Yep, that makes sense. That makes sense. Most of these kids are way too young to be in school anyways, so yeah. Yeah, and Fitz is the event that has the kids' classes. Florida Line Dance Classic does not have it, so it wouldn't be that, unfortunately. So yeah, we took Frontier for possibly the last time. We shall see. But I know that I used points on this trip, and that was one of the big selling points of going on Frontier in the first place. We've been really into Alaska lately. I've enjoyed Alaska. I've got an Alaska credit card with... Uh, Bank of America, and I'm trying to rack up like those miles. But with Frontier, I still had like ten thousand. Uh, well, you know, I can use them up now, and I think I have a thousand left. I'm not even going to bother. I think they expire in January. I'm just going to let them expire. I have nowhere else that I absolutely need to go on Frontier. And I remember sleeping on that set of flights was a lot more difficult than coming home on Alaska. Uh, what was that? Just today. Yeah. What kind of day have we had that that was just today? Wow. Anyway, uh, yeah, so I guess we were, you know, flying across the country or something today. And it was comfortable. It was not bad. It was cushiony. Uh, Frontier is, you know, the the budget flight. So um, I think going forward, I will be spending a little extra for comfort. Yeah, and I've said it before that I wasn't going to take it. But with the way my finances had worked out, there was... No way of me taking a similar time frame flight as yours so that it made sense for us to get to the airport at the same time, both arriving and landing, because I didn't want you to be like stuck waiting for me forever or vice versa. Um, It just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Whereas coming home, I was able to find something that was relatively cheap, but um, it was... I had to leave earlier than you, and I arrived a little bit later because I had a longer layover. But it was maybe 20 or 30 bucks more expensive than Frontier. And Frontier, you have to pay for your carry-on, so that's $35. So it pretty much worked out to be about the same of what I would have paid for Frontier. And I actually took Delta. It's I think I've taken it one other time before, but oh man, I had such an easy flight experience with Delta, I will probably be flying with them in the future again, for sure. And for anybody who thinks, oh, you guys are just being sentimental, flying together, like, why don't you just do whatever it takes for cost and blah, blah, blah. No, it, it saves money doing a lot of these things together, like parking. You know, Usually we park at a BART station, and if we went separately, we would each be paying at the BART station. And then we would each be paying our transportation, like if we were to take two separate Ubers or something to the airport, instead of sharing one, that would be more expensive. Uh, when one of us gets to the airport, and if it's the person who you know the, the hotel isn't under, then they're waiting around for the other person for check-in. Uh, if they're doing a shuttle, you know, then you know, you, 
I guess, well, shuttles are pretty standard as far as like price. They're either free or they're per person. But uh, if you don't know anybody, then it can be a little little lonely. So yeah, I guess that's the sentimental part. <laughs> but uh, you know, sometimes there are the, there are practical advantages to having somebody with you uh, for some of the transportation uh, part of the experience. Yeah, I mean, and it, it is nice just traveling with someone too, mm-hmm. having that company so that if there is something you want to talk about, you can talk to someone and you don't have to like be awkward in how you're trying to strike up a conversation with a complete stranger. I mean, we still talk to strangers every once in a while while we're sitting on flights or whatnot. Or like, for instance, when we take um, shared Uber rides, we definitely try and converse with people. But it's still it's it's a lot less forced or and a lot more natural when it comes to like you traveling with the same person over and over again. But man, I mean, people ask us all the time how we afford it. It's because we do a lot of it together. So like the cost saving is substantial because we're paying half the price for the hotel each as opposed to if we went separately. And that's just the hotel alone. It also helps for filling in memory gaps. Like kind of like how with dances, if one of us will remember a few counts, then the other one will remember a few counts. Sometimes looking back on the trip, it's like, uh, I, I know we left from home and then we were at the event. <laughs> But like, you know, in between, there were some other things that happened and you know, each of us had a, a different experience of it. So you put it together and then you remember things like the kid touching your foot and being yeah. fascinated by you. And uh, that sound, that loud sound that was coming from the frontier desk yes. when we walked past it both times. Just those little things that, uh, you know, we each have in our brain. And when we share the experience, then we can each have that in our brain. Yes. Exactly. Although I would have liked to forgotten the sound. <laughs> it's very loud and very alarm-like. Um, so we ended up landing, I'd say, around noonish. It might have been a little bit earlier and it might have been a little bit later. I'm not entirely sure at the moment. So I'm going to go with noonish. Um, we normally just bring carry-ons or whatever. Um, I know you have your under-the-seat uh, suitcase, and then I normally have my un- my Disney bag. That's my under-the-seat item, and then I have one other roll-on that I normally do. And almost all my flights, they always ask for volunteers to check. And so I'll, I'll definitely volunteer to check it because it's one of those things where I don't need anything that's in it. I just don't want to pay to check it. So if they need someone to volunteer, I'll certainly volunteer. But if not, then I'll just pick it up and throw it in the overhead. Whatever. Not a big deal. Uh, so... It's just one of those things that, you know, it, it gives me an option of, of being helpful if they need it. Otherwise, you know, I'll just put it up in the overhead bins or I'll politely ask you. Mm-hmm. And so we collected my luggage. One quick note I want to throw in there since you mentioned the you'll ask me for help. Ladies, if you ever need a guy to help you with something like lifting, just just say something like, gosh, I... I I wish I had just a, a big, strong man around to help me with this heavy suitcase. And the guy was, oh, gosh, okay, I'll help you with that, little lady. That's all you have to do is just feed the ego. And I mean, gosh, you know, the rest takes care of itself. <laughs> um, so then we collected the luggage and we waited for the shuttle. We got to the Ramada, which was about two hotels down from the event, which sounds like a long walk, but it's really not. Um at least not in December. 
<laughs> in the middle of uh, July, that might be a little bit of a different story. But December, it was, at least for the first couple days, pleasant enough. And we checked in. And I remember being very, very impressed with the layout of the room. It wasn't your traditional walk into the room and there's, you know, a bed or two beds and there's the bathroom and the sink and, you know, maybe a chair. No, this one actually had like almost like a living room nook. Like there was a there was a there was a couch and then there was a table with four chairs and there was a, a sink and a microwave and um, there was a fridge and um, a coffee pot and then there was a wall divider that like half a wall that well so okay so where the table was there was the back end of the closet so that's part of the wall and then there's another wall divider that came from the other side so then there's like a little walkway that went into the room part, portion of where the beds were which also had the closet and the bathroom and the sink and all that jazz but I was very impressed because it was certainly a noticeable amount cheaper than staying at the host hotel. And it was a very nice looking room. Well, then we laid on the beds. Mm. (laughs) They were very, 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 very fluffy. And they kind of like just melded around you. It was kind of amazing. It's like Vegas. You don't lay down if you have somewhere you need to be because you'll it's a trap. Yes, pretty much. So because we knew that we didn't have anywhere to be before registration, which I think was like 5.30 or 6.30 or something like that, and then there was a lesson later that night, which I'll let you go into, um, at 8.30 we were like, let's just nap. So we ended up getting there. And I'm not sure exactly what time we ended up getting to the event, but we still had to register. Um, I think it was it was somewhere between like let's say six thirty and eight, sometime in that ballpark is when we finally strolled into the event. And we registered, and then we went and said our hellos to everybody because there were so many people to say hello to. And we went and put our stuff down in the ballroom and began to open dancing. So I'll let you share with what the uh, the lesson at 8.30 was. So Mrs. Rachel McEnany-White was able to uh, secure the ballroom for one lesson, dipped to the base, choreographed by herself and some guy from California. And it was, I talked to her about it later, and it was... Sort of like a, almost like a bonus teach. Uh, I guess it's something that um, Jen does, like, you know, th- a quick Thursday teach. And she had taught it before at Niels's party in, was it Norway or Denmark? One of those Scandinavian countries. And she taught it alongside something else of, you know, roughly equal difficulty level. So she was able to get two in an hour. She, she knew she was not going to be able to stretch this one to a full hour because it didn't need that. But she also didn't have anything else to teach with it. So it ended up being kind of like a 45-ish minute lesson. And I thought the people did really well with it. I mean, it was, it was a really interesting time slot for it because it was very much like the only game in town. 
I think there might have been a 5 and 50 in the other room being taught by Jamie during that hour. Other than that, though, if you're an intermediate dancer, that was the only thing going. If it were any other day of the workshop, you would have some other room for some other dance that you could potentially go into. But this was a packed house for every uh, intermediate-seeking dancer who registered on Thursday night. So, yeah, that was... uh, that was something, seeing that many people doing this dance. I hung out in the back for most of the lesson to back wall um, assist. And when we did it full speed the second time, she asked me to come up and we both demoed it on the stage. I, I don't know whether we did it during open dance uh, on any of the later nights. I know we did it the first night. Um yeah, that was that was an experience. I mean, the floor was so full that while I was on the back row, I was dancing in between the chairs on the way to the door. So, yeah, I, I can only hope that people enjoyed it. I know I certainly enjoyed working on it uh, with Rachel, and I, I hope we get to work on dances again in the future. After that was open dance, we have a playlist. We'll probably break all that down for you later, though, so that we can roll right along to Thursday night demos of Friday day dances. Yes. So, um, Friday's workshop schedule starts with 10 to 11. We have Amanda Rosello, Shane McKeever, and Trevor Thornton. Amanda was teaching summer 2002. Shane was Secrets We Keep. And Trevor was Damn by, it says Reese, and Night Shift. We didn't know any of those. So we definitely didn't demo those. And then you have the 11 to 12, which is John Robinson, Price You Pay, which was the winner of the amateur choreography competition at Windy City. Then you had uh, Rachel McEnany-White teaching Jesse. Scott Blevins, Lie to Me Just a Little. Now that was one that I think you said you demoed in Windy City. I hadn't learned it yet. So I had learned it just a few minutes before going on and then we demoed it with Scott. And it was a lot of fun. It's a cute little dance. Um, I thought they did a good job. Then from 12 to 1, Amy with my rules. So of course we were out there to demo that because I actually very, very much like that dance. I thought she did such a good job at hitting it and just making it feel fun and just satisfying every time you dance it. Uh, then Rachel McEnany White with Electric Church, which we did not do. And then Jamie Marshall with Wiggle Freeze. It's an interesting song. Definitely. I know uh, Brenda taught it at Wine Country, I think, last last month. But uh, I I was not exposed to it until after they were dancing it. Then there was one to two, which is Fred Whitehouse with Revolution, Scott Blevins back in town, and Rachel McEnany White with Vegas Baby. Now, I know I learned Vegas Baby at one point, and we definitely went over it a few times, but neither one of us felt good enough in that we were going to be able to remember the dance to go out there and demo it with her, but fortunately, because she also choreographed it with Shane McKeever and Niels Polson, and Shane was here... They went out and demoed it together, which is nice. I also want to point out that uh, Vegas Baby is, what does that say? Is it Improver? Yes. Improver Dance. We didn't feel confident in it. Well, how many counts is it? Like It's like 40 or 48 or something like that. Yeah. And yet my rules, 96 counts. We were like, oh, yeah, we got this. 
Yeah, go figure. But to be fair, we we practiced my rules a lot before demoing it. And I think that was at Windy City, if I remember correctly. And then we've danced it a lot since then. So that one's one that we know now. Uh, Then, let's see. So that was from one to two. From two to three, if you want to take over. Let's take a look at two to three. <clears throat> we have Trevor Thornton with How Did You Love, uh, Fred Whitehouse Sleepwalk With Me and Wild Boys, and Arlene Winterman with Tailgate and Rolling in the Deep. Now, unfortunately, of these dances, we didn't know, well, we didn't know the first three for sure, and we hadn't seen Rolling in the Deep uh, before, but Tailgate. We know us some Tailgate. We have danced it for years in Sonoma County at Kodiak Jacks and Mavericks, and we have even brought it to the dance nights where we teach. So it is alive and well within ourselves and our local dance community. I was very excited to see it on the schedule. And, you know, we even got a chance to do it this past year and the year before at Pikes Peak, uh, Pikes Peak Line Dance or Bust, because they still do it there as well. I think we might even have done it in the country ballroom at New York State of Line because they're big Dan Albro fans over there. Yeah. Uh, downside to that one, though, is it was very hard for me to do that one vanilla because I've been dancing it so long that I have changed that dance so much that it took me half a wall to figure out, wait, don't throw in your flair. Unfortunately, I kind of waited until the last minute to uh, ask Arlene if it would be all right for us to demo with her. And by the time I was you know, ready to approach her, uh, Jamie had given her the mic so that she could talk about the Pro-Am competition. And then she just went out there for the demo. So I'm like, it'll be fine if we just go out there and yeah. flank her completely. <laughs> yeah, you looked at me and you're like, well, should we? I'm like, just go. It's go. Yeah. Just go. It's fine. Yeah. Um, she was very grateful afterwards and thanked us. Um, I know it's a little bit challenging when you have to have a walker. So I think it was nice that she had a couple other people with her and support and show that, you know, like this dance is accessible to anyone. So, yeah, she also was supposed to have somebody, uh, a friend of hers demo with her and that person, uh, wasn't able to make it in time for the, uh, demo. So, us being there was, uh, was, I guess, welcome uh, because she would have had somebody with her anyway. It just um, that person didn't happen to be there. After that, we had Scott Blevins with Fully Clothed. I was supposed to learn that. I was going to learn that like we two were, or three events ago. We were both supposed to learn that. Yeah, it, it hasn't happened yet, but I like that song, and you know, the, the dance looks fun, just for whatever reason, it hasn't happened yet. Uh, Shane McKeever, this uh, this was a big hit uh, for the event, uh, Whatever It Takes, and that's a, a dance of his, Fred Whitehouse, Niels Polson, J.P. Madge, D. Musk, and Simon, Simon Ward, according to this. Uh, we did not know that, so we did not demo that. After that was a dance we saw for the first time, which was Darren Bailey with Wynn. And then the next hour was Jamie Marshall, Lie to Me by Amy Carter. That's like the full version. The other one was Lie to Me just a little as the floor split. Then we had Darren Bailey with Taps, which we did actually learn and, and go over before demoing. And I, I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that. Um, yeah. 
I definitely was fine and, and I was getting the dance and I was like, yeah, and then I got overconfident and I messed up one or two little movements. There's a sailor and then sailor half turn or sailor quarter and then sailor half turn or something like that. And then you do a look back and look forward and sweep. I apparently decided that I wanted to re-choreograph it and just take out those sailors and just hold. And so I then I realized what was going on and I went, uh-oh. So then I remembered the look, look, sweep. So I did. I was able to catch back up. But yeah, I felt really bad. And then they didn't even demo the whole thing on the second wall twice. So I couldn't even like redeem myself. I was a little disappointed. But uh Yeah. I mean, the way I see this, nobody was looking at me anyways. They were looking at Amy and Darren. So, yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, we, we had just gone over it. Um, like, even on the sidelines, we were going over the steps. and We were getting the dance. I didn't understand. We had the dance. At, at the beginning, there's the, the cross and turn, uh, and then the heel bounce, bounce, cross and turn, bounce, bounce. And... You know, very simple. You're only facing one wall. You're looking straight ahead, cross back, back, cross back, back. I got excited and I decided to do all the wall changey stuff there instead, alone, <laughs> while everybody else went cross back, back, cross back, back. And I just kind of tap danced and looked pretty and waited for us all to be doing the dance at the same time. <laughs> And that look, look part, I was like psyching myself out when we were learning it at the hotel room and you know, I was doing it on the side. I'm like, I need to remember to look, look like I, I, I can do the sailor. I can do the other sailor, but then I want to keep going forward and I need to stop and I need to look, look. So yes, sure. Great. I got the look, look. And I missed cross back, back in the first, like what? 16, 32 counts of the dance. But that one, I did get an opportunity the second time through to, because it was so early in the dance, I got to say, hey, hey, look, guys, I know how to do triples that practically don't even move. See? See how see how good I know my triples that don't move? And then they didn't do the rest of the second wall, but <laughs> at, least, at least I got to do that the one time. Yeah. See, at least you were nice and you just got excited about the dance mm-hmm. and just got eager. I decided to just take it out completely <laughs> yeah i couldn't wait to get to those next steps and and pass all the easy ones who needs the easy ones right easy ones are for floor splits i don't know <laughs> yeah so uh i know that in previous episodes and at previous events we had said we shouldn't do these demos unless we feel absolutely confident you know, like we've been doing these dances at home for a while and really we're just going out and doing the dance. We're not psyching us in, ourselves into like demo mode and, you know, we have to look good and hit all the, the things exactly perfectly. Like that causes trouble. We should just do it casually because we're so prepared. So, yeah, we were so prepared. We just decided to do variations. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Very casual. So if anyone wants to watch back that video later, uh, check to see if you have any smudges on your screen, on the right side of your screen, and just kind of keep keep working on those smudges with your hand until the demo's over, and then when you release it, maybe you'll see something that looks like me underneath your hand. Okay, after that, we had John Robinson, Happy Ever After Love, and All I See Is You. And that concluded demos. And that concluded demos. I'm so glad that Darren is forgiving. <laughs> And that he and Amy still maybe like us a little bit. <laughs> right. 
So then we had a wonderful night of running back and forth between the beginner to, I think they actually said intermediate all request room, and then the intermediate to advanced, essentially, main ballroom request room. It's how they liked to try and keep their dances. However, there was still some crossover in the two, um, being that they're both request rooms. So it is going to happen. And there are, you know, easier dances, like, for instance, Lonely Drum, that everybody knows. So it's going to get played. Um, and I think we ended up ending that night at like two in the morning or something like that. What's your time say? Was this the first night? The first night, yeah. That ended at 2.13 a.m. 2.13 a.m. So then we said our goodbyes, took our survivor photo, and uh, headed back over to the uh, hotel. So we had a nice relaxing walk and we got in did our you know nightly routines to get ready for bed and I think we were both really really hungry at that point but we didn't really have any food so I think they had pizza out if I remember correctly somehow somebody bought a bunch of pizzas and they left them in the lobby area where they also have um, the complimentary breakfast the next morning and the front desk clerk had said, take them, because otherwise she's just going to have to throw them out. And there was four pieces of pizza left. So I think we ended up warming those up and eating those as well. And then... And then they had uh, sodas, I think, as well. Which was... I was really hoping they had those the next night um, uh, uh, as part of the, the package, but I think it was just a special event that they were hosting. Yeah. So... um we ended up going to bed, I think, probably between 3 and 4 in the morning by the time we were done with our routine and, like, decompressing and everything, taking whatever showers we took. Oh, and I think we plotted out the next day as well because I had all these big plans about all the interviews I was going to do on Friday day. Didn't yeah, so Friday. Let's talk about Friday. <laughs> Friday was kind of a short day for us. Yep. So we ended up getting up at about 9 40, 9.50-ish in the morning after going to bed at like, you know, 3.30. Only because breakfast ended at 10. And so we decided we wanted free breakfast since it was included in our, our stay there. And that's one less meal we have to pay for. So we stumbled down to the lobby area and filled our plates and I think both of us were still asleep when we filled our plates because I think otherwise we would have taken into account of just how much food our body can handle. We had the uh, a sleep factor and then we had the factor of they were going to start breaking down pretty quick here. And when I say pretty quick, they were like 10 on the dot breaking down breakfast. So that was interesting. Uh, so we stuffed ourselves stupid. Was this the morning that we had that European style, like almost siesta of just, you know, make, uh, making the meal about the experience of company with the other person and like remembering to chew in between once in a while? I think we were down there for like at least an hour and a half. Yeah, we definitely were down there just talking and like just enjoying the morning and the atmosphere and you're know, just taking our time. I think essentially both of us were waking up. I think that's what it came down to. 
Um, but yeah, we had we had a long, nice conversation, and it was definitely um, probably at least an hour, hour and a half at that point. Um, then we ended up stumbling back upstairs with food or plates full of food still, because like I said, I think we would have realized how much food a body can take, and we ended up sleeping. We're looking at the schedule right now. Because both of us were so food coma stuffed until I think almost two o'clock in the afternoon. And then we got had to get ready. <laughs> and oh let me rephrase that. We had to get re ready because we went back upstairs and we started getting ready for the day. Cause I remember I was wearing my Darren shirt and my jeans. And then we both decided we wanted to take a nap for a little bit. And at some point, I remember waking up and both going, no, a little bit longer. And then we went a little bit longer. And then so by the time we got up, I think it was probably close to 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And we realized that we really didn't want to walk over in what we were planning on wearing because it was only going to be an hour or two. And then we were going to stay for open dance. So realistically, we had to just get ready for open dance. So we ended up getting ready for open dance and we trekked in between three and four o'clock hour, which I thought was really interesting because there were several lessons earlier that we were going to attempt to make and did not. I know for sure I wanted to try and get revolution and when it was, you know, 1245, I was like, uh-uh, it ain't gonna happen. I am not gonna make the one o'clock lesson. It's just not going to work. Yeah, and I, w- I had wanted to help out with the tailgate teach since we helped with the demo. I thought, oh, yeah, we can go down and, and maybe sidewall tailgate. That didn't happen. And then I was like, okay, so if I can't make revolution, maybe I can do sleepwalk with me because I really, really want that one. And wild boys look like a lot of fun, a lot of high energy. And that didn't work out either. It was very unfortunate. So then we got there between 3 and 4 o'clock lesson. And why would we go take a lesson? Because that's like the logical thing to do. No, instead we sat outside the rooms on like this two-person couch that was only there for that day um, and talked. And we hung out with passerbys and we spoke with John for a little while who I think that was the night, that was the day that he had sent uh, Chris on a mission for white pants or yeah, white, sorry, white underpants. For the show. For the show, since the boys were wearing white pants. So, um, we hung out with him for a little while until his lesson. And then what did we do? Then there was preview of Sunday, Saturday and Sunday dances at 5. So, there was a couple that we reviewed during that time, too. Also, shout out to Big Rick, who we met uh, while we were outside that improver room. He was talking to us about West Coast technique and two-step and partner dances. And he has a super cool belt that with big capital letters on the back of the belt says Big Rick. And he had a cowboy hat. Yep. Um, So then at 5 o'clock started demos for Saturday and Sunday. So I will do this real quick. Shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. Yep, as we move papers along. So Saturday starts 10 a.m. to 11. You have Amanda Rosello with you. Darren Bailey, Make You Mine, 
and Amy Bailey with Too Young and, drum roll please, Back in Your Heart. So um, unfortunately, we didn't know with you, and I didn't get the step sheet in time for Make You Mine, which I will let you go into a little bit more detail about the track for that one. And um, we were very, very excited to see Back in Your Heart choreographed by our very own Christopher Gonzalez. Uh, on this on the sheet so after that we had i'm no latino the bounce and the pro-am competition pro-am competition um too young we had done before but not for a while it was easy to easy enough to get back Uh, that one i remember that for the demo while we were demoing it it was kind of light kind of pretty and all of a sudden, you do 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 you do 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 you do 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 you in his arms. That's the music for back in your heart, and you can just if you if there's a video out there, you can see just adrenaline coursing through my veins as I am getting all hyped up to dance it. I really enjoy that. Yes, make you mine is one one of the tracks that I sent to Darren, and he liked it, and so there's a dance for it. Spotify is our friend. So the 11 o'clock, uh, the I'm No Latino was John Robinson. The bounce was taught by Scott. And then obviously there was the pro-am competition that we didn't do anything for. The bounce, I felt way better about demoing because Vegas, I I didn't prepare myself to keep dancing after the first tag. So I was definitely stumbly. Uh, this time I felt like after really breaking it down at the hotel room figuring out where does the quarter turn stop so that like the the hand is to the right side and all that like I knew where I was supposed to be and where I was supposed to face and when we kept going I was ready for it so I feel like I can close out 2018 with like a positive um, demo overall averaged out experience regarding the bounce from there, we had Shane McKeever, No Drama, Rachel McEnany, White Bardo Blues, which we did not take in New York, um, but I, I took this time around. Fred Whitehouse with Tell Me and Love Flow, neither of which we know. So then we had from the 1 o'clock to the 2 o'clock hour, you had Amy Bailey teaching Four Leaf Clover, which again is one that we've demoed several times before and I just I very 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 much enjoy how both her and Darren choreographed that dance to that song it hits in certain spots so satisfying and I just I love that step full turn sweep business at the very end it's just it's so much fun for me and I love the part where you put your feet together and you rise up almost like a stick you're taking in a breath and you go back down it's just it's so much fun um at the same time the grand ballroom or the main ballroom is where they started to have the choreography competitions for the usldcc which is the amateur choreography um uh, competition and then you have Cody Flowers also teaching that hour Big, Blonde, and Beautiful. Uh, from 2 to 3 o'clock, you had Trevor with Turning Me On that still blocked out that main ballroom for choreography competition. And then Amanda Rosello with My Superstar. We didn't know either of those, unfortunately. 
Yeah, I had seen the video for my superstar, but had not learned it in time to demo it. John Robinson then had Summer Heat. Fred Whitehouse had Globetrotten, and neither of us took it at Windy City. Uh, or Vegas, actually, when uh, Daniel taught it. Rachel McEnany-White taught, uh, or demoed Make It Sweet, and you taught that at Line Dance Club, so we both knew that one. That that was the one that she had actually got out on the dance floor with Mason in her little carrying pouch thingy in front, um, which I think everybody was really, really excited to see her out there dancing with him. I remember hearing a lot of awes. Then we had Darren Bailey with Falling Walls, his new one. Uh, Jamie Marshall, 24 Reasons, which is choreographed by Jill Babnick and Debbie Pencoast. And after that, we had Shane McKeever with Sanctify My Sins. Very, very cool music. We have not learned that yet. It's choreographed uh, with Debbie Rushton and Rebecca Lee. And then a couple demos that we did do. Amy Bailey, Little Southern Girl, which you have taught locally many times, one of your go-tos. And Homesick Heart by Madison Glover. Which I also just recently taught club. So that was Demos for Saturday. I found it very entertaining that Demos for Saturday ended with Amy. And because we were, it was a Darren dance, and I'm pretty sure he was out there for Homesick Heart too. Um, we had, an, it was you, me, Amy, and Darren. Sunday Demos started with Amy, which was digging. So it was you, me, Amy, and Darren. And then the next one was Darren <laughs> with Rhythm Inside. So that one, because I've taught to club and they actually very much enjoy that one, um, it's kind of one of those, I think, underground kind of hasn't gotten a whole lot of exposure, but it's, it's relatively satisfying um, experiences. Like, I really just enjoy it. It's fun. It's a little bit different. But the movements... There's some movements in it that are completely accessible and others that make you have to think a little bit. So I think he did a really good job with that one. Um, so I was out there with Amy and Darren. And I think Laura joined us for that one, Laura Lopez. Um, and then to finish off the 10 to 11 o'clock hour for Sunday, we had Fred Whitehouse with Good Vibes and Groovy Love. So I unfortunately didn't know good vibes yet, but I did get out there for Groovy Love. So I had, technically, Amy with two dances to end Saturday night. Then I had Amy. Then I had Darren. Then I had like a two-second break because I didn't know good vibes. And then I was out there for Groovy Love. So I was definitely didn't leave the floor for a few minutes. So that was nice. Then there was a reteach, so they didn't demo it, but it was John Robinson with Price You Pay. Then there was also um, 11 to 12 was Fred Whitehouse, You Deserve Better. And at that same time, there was uh, Shane McKeever with That's Life. And then you had from the 12 to 1 was Amanda Rosello with It's 11-11. Originally, Scott Blevins was going to do a reteach of back in time, but for some reason, sorry, back in town, um, but for some reason he had to leave early, so they just changed it to open dance. Uh, then you had John Robinson actually finishing demos with Legends and Mama Mia, Why Me? But then just to keep it on the schedule, technically there was one further class, but it was a reteach of Shane McKeever and Whatever It Takes. 
So on Friday after demos, we then went into Open Dance. And we have a playlist for that that we will, again, break down at a future time. So we stayed up late. Well, actually, before you get to that, Friday um, after demos, there is a dinner break. And that we actually, um, Brianna was very nice enough to drive us to Walmart because we didn't pack ugly sweaters and we wanted to get food. So we went to Walmart. Then we went back to the hotel and took a nap. (laughs) Yeah, the playlist starts pretty deep in on that particular night. And then I just kind of backtracked later with JP and we looked at uh, the dances that I was not there to write live and in person. Um, What time did that end at? Oh, gosh. Let's take a look at that. Friday. This is the 7th. We are looking at 3.41 a.m. Is there more on the back? There is. The last night, or the last uh, dance of the night ended at 3.55 a.m. on Friday. So I think that was the night we ended up getting to bed at like almost 6 o'clock in the morning. Saturday, workshop schedule. I was definitely up early because I could not miss Amy's teach of Back in Your Heart. Both of those lessons were a lot of fun, just being a, 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 like being an attendee of... Because um, she's got a light sense of humor, and like people were teasing a little bit, and she would just tease them right back. <laughs> and that's what you need in the morning. You know, something just to get you off to the... Um, off off to a good start for confidence and feeling casual. If you're planning on taking a bunch of like brain-breaking stuff later, then at least you know for that one hour, those two beginner dances that you took, you could feel like you had a, you had a win that day. You know, you you still knew if nothing else those two from the morning. And I thought Amy did a great job uh, teaching those. So I'm going to interrupt you real quick. This was the day that we were apart for a good substantial portion of it because we went to breakfast together, but you wanted to make it for the lesson. And I didn't want, I didn't want to get up that early because the way I was feeling. Um, and I knew the lesson I wanted to take was at, it looks like it's 12 to one, which was Bardo blues with Rachel back and any white. So I knew you were ready to go. You went and to go ahead and meet Amy for the lesson because you wanted to be there for back in your heart. I went back upstairs and I started getting ready for the day, and I started not feeling as good as I could. Like I had that that exhaustion sickness almost, where it's like it just hurts to get up. So I laid down for a little while, and then before I knew it, I was getting ready in between the lesson hour of 12 to 1 of Bardo Blues, and I ended up showing up right around the same uh, when the USLDC competition was starting. So that was at 1. So you had a different morning than I did. Mm-hmm. So after too young and back in your heart, what'd you do? After that, I went to the, well, I guess I stuck around in that room for the Pro-Am competition, which I had never participated in before. Uh, one of the participants, Nicole, had requested that I join her for K is for Kicks. That was the dance that she wanted to compete and... I thought, wow, that's super cool that she would want to do of all dances, K is for Kicks, uh, because that's the one that she felt very confident in. So I was her pro, and she was my am, and I think uh, Jesse even took a video of it. Could you explain a little bit more about the pro-am competition and what it is? Sure. So it's sort of an exhibition of 
a dance that you would like to do, usually with the choreographer of the dance if they happen to be on staff at that event. And it's bronze, silver, or gold. You're not competing against anybody else. Uh, you're really just doing it for feedback from the judges and maybe thinking about how you can improve your technique or uh, presentability. I'm not uh, as a non-participant um, competitor. I, I've not received such feedback, so I haven't seen for myself what kind of feedback yeah. they get. But um, yeah, it, it's really a more of an individual experience as opposed to dog eat dog. You know, one of us is going to win a prize, sort of a thing. Okay. After that was Bardo Blues. Uh, the <laughs> The lesson that I took uh, over the course of the weekend, I think that may be the only one that uh, I actually attended the full workshop for, for learning the dance uh, in between everything else that was going on. Uh, I liked it. I will need more practice on it. Really what sold it for me was that fun little hip dip thing. Uh, really got to get get my groove on with that the next time we have a dance floor to do that. Uh, let's see, after that, uh, we both attended the choreography competition. We sat behind Rachel. Uh, strong showing this year, I think. It was interesting to uh, to see the range of music choices. You had, you know, you're very country, country. You had some sort of street kind of, uh, and then you had some more emotional, you know, fear I'm breaking up with you, uh, vulnerable stuff. So, seeing seeing everybody out there, I, I think we were both thinking about when when we were doing. Uh, the the various dances that that I competed um, last time around, and it's nice not having to go through all the nerves, uh, and just support the other people who are doing it. Yeah, it was certainly different to be on the other side of the equation of that one. Um, I actually ended up taking two lessons this workshop or this workshop weekend. I was very proud of myself. From three to four, I was in Fred Whitehouse's lesson for Globetrotten. And then from four to five, I was in Darren Bailey's lessons for Falling Walls. I really, really enjoyed globetrotting. I thought it was very well done. It hit very satisfying. It's a little bit more of the I really have to think about it kind of dance for me. So once I get enough practice, I'm hoping that that'll just be easy and just take care of itself. Uh, Fallen Walls. Hands down, one of my favorites. I loved the music. It was just very dark and intense and like strong almost is how I describe it. Um, and how he hit that with certain moments were just amazing and just so like, yes, that's exactly what I would want to express at that exact moment in the music. I thought Darren did such an amazing job with it. It's probably my new obsession right now. Um, then I know you were interviewing people during that time. So look forward to new interviews coming out. And then from the, it looks like five to six o'clock hour, we were, we caught up finally and actually had time to talk to each other for the day, hung out. Um, I ended up after that going to the, uh, back to the hotel to get ready for the night and you went to the dinner with the choreographers. Yes, I highly recommend it for anybody who would like to do one of these dinners with choreographers. Um, Carrie and I really, um, wanted to sit together. She was already signed up at another table that was full. And then we saw some other ones with open slots. So we, we jumped over to that table. And when the instructors came in, our first one was Rachel. So that was a great time. You know, everybody got to, to ask her about the kid and, you know, how she's doing these days. Uh, after that, because there weren't enough uh, instructors to go around, they had them rotate. That way everybody got at least, you know, two visits. 
And our second one was Cody. So we got to know him a little bit better as well. And then the rest of the time we were meeting and chatting uh, with you know people from Iowa and Toronto and uh, getting to know what dancing is like in the villages in Florida. So you'll, you'll definitely make some new friends uh, or if nothing else, you know, new acquaintances uh, at uh, these, these sorts of dinners through uh, JC Dance Productions. Highly recommend. After that was Open Dance uh, and the show and the raffle. And we definitely bought tickets for that. We got to see the uh, the winners of the USLDCC um, for this particular event. What time did this we was end? the night that we went till five eighteen in the morning. Yowzers! Yep the late the late of the late night the latest of the late night sets uh, Saturday night. Okie no, dokie. The eighth. What? Well, if that's the eighth, then that would have still been Saturday. Six seven eight, and then nine would have been. Uh, Sunday and okay. today is the tenth, so yeah, we're right on track. Sorry, I'm not used to having the extra sheet because I also didn't stay for the open dance the next day. So unfortunately, I had a separate flight from you. So we got up in the morning, had some breakfast, and then we ended up going back upstairs, grabbing our stuff, and immediately heading out because we had to check out as well as we wanted to say our goodbyes to people. And I had to leave the hotel or the whole event by twelve twenty. For my flight. So we got there, I think, between like a little bit after 11. And we were sitting in Fred Whitehouse's Lesson of You Deserve Better and sitting next to Amy and Darren was taking the lesson. And then afterwards, we hung out for a little bit. Like I said, I had to leave at 1220. So I was on the flight or the shuttle with Dustin to get to my destinations. Um, And I had a layover, which was in Minneapolis. So that was interesting. And then I ended up arriving in San Diego that night a little bit after you. It was like 9.20 or something like that at that point. So I think almost an hour after you. But you got to stick around. Yep. I was able to spend some extra time with uh, Rachel, ask her all sorts of questions, help her with some tech things. And I also participated in Dancing the Floor Away, which I, again, highly recommend for anybody who's able to stick around that long. Uh, They took it all the way down to a half panel uh, the last dance was Come Alive. I do not know Come Alive, but four people did, and they look amazing. I recommend looking up that video online. Uh, after I did one more interview and uh, left for the airport and made it onto that flight by the skin of my teeth, uh, we met up in San Diego. We had a night out that uh, we can discuss during our playlist breakdown, because I think it'll be interesting for people to hear exactly what was played at In Cahoots San Diego. Um, and then we made our way back home uh, for the the second half of our journey uh, from Orlando to San Diego and then back to SFO. Yeah. Um, last night we decided not to waste money on a hotel room because dancing was going to end between 1 and 2 in the morning. And our flight left like boarded at like 6.20. So we figured we'd be at the airport between 4 and 5 anyways. So why spend the money? So we just went directly to the hotel or to the airport, watched some videos that we took during the event. Um, I passed out for a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I really appreciate it. Uh, we got on our flights. A um, little bit of interestingness with that one as they changed our gates over. Uh, so we were a little delayed, but like I said, my amazing soon-to-be officially roommate, uh, she showed up to pick us up from the airport. We got home, and I don't know about you, but I pretty much passed out. 
Mm-hmm. So now it was all in all a really good trip. Yeah, I slept until four forty five and my, my next teaching gig was uh, tech help at five fifteen, followed by line dance with the seniors, then line dance with the students at SSU and now line dance podcast. It's a, a good day. Yep, all in all, I think we had a pretty good weekend. Yep. And uh, we'll have those playlist breakdowns for you in another episode, as well as some of the dances we learned recently that we'll be requesting for future events that maybe you know, we w- didn't get to dance to the original songs or you know in the, the big ballroom. But, uh, you know, it'll happen. It'll happen. All right. Well, for Line Dance Podcast, this has been Christopher Gonzalez with Megan Barcelia. Thank you for tuning in. And until next time, we will see, see you on, on the, the dance, dance floor. floor.